Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome, everybody, to this month's edition of Refuel. Um, we have a very special guest with us today, my good friend, very good friend, Megan Boutwell, who is president of Stillwater Associates. Megan, I've known you guys a really long time. <laughs> we are, we have a lot of, a lot of common customers that we've worked with and we have, um, I, I always look forward to hearing what you all have to say about some pretty critical issues. So today I've got Megan here and we're going to talk about a subject that is becoming very, very much a key topic for carriers and, you know, other types of end users of fuel and that is renewable diesel. So there's just a lot of people. I think it's one of those things where people just go, <laughs> don't want to deal with it but you're going to have to deal with it. So hopefully in this uh, short amount of time we have with you today, we're going to try to figure it out and get to the basics. But before we get started and we dive in, tell us a little bit about Stillwater Associates or what you all. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for having me. This is, this is very cool. It's good to see you too. Um, yeah. So Stillwater is a transportation energy consulting firm. And what makes us special is that all of our senior subject matter experts come from long career, some of them at major oil corporations or um, in state energy uh, positions. Um, and they bring all of that institutional knowledge uh, to bear to help our clients kind of navigate all these transportation energy market and regulatory issues. And so one of the things that we've been really focused on over the past few years is the transportation energy transition. So transitioning away from traditional fossil petroleum fuels um, to much lower carbon intensity, lower greenhouse gas emitting fuels like renewable diesel. And so we've been watching the development of the renewable diesel market and the technology around that <clears throat> and how it's kind of developed on the West Coast um, and, you know, how it will proliferate around the country, around Canada, North America, and um, in Europe. So this is something that, so for our audience, which is a lot of carriers, obviously this is something that is going to become kind of a big deal on a lot of levels, right? So can we just jump right in? You ready? Let's do it. Okay. Okay. So help, help, renewable diesel. Hey, walk me through it. So you know, give us, what what is what is it? Yeah. So it is the fastest growing biofuel in the U.S. It's a drop in fuel, which means it's fully compatible with existing engines and infrastructure. You don't have to change anything about your car or your truck or the fueling infrastructure to put it into the system. It's it's chemically identical to petroleum diesel, um, but it's produced from renewable feedstocks like soybean oil and used cooking oil rather than crude oil. 
And then so the kind of the other crucial piece of this is it meets ASTM D975 specification. So that's the same spec as um, petroleum diesel. Um, but in a lot of ways, it's a superior diesel fuel. It's high in cetane to improve combustion and ultra low in sulfur and aromatics, reducing smog and along with greenhouse gases. So in a lot of ways, it, it burns cleaner than um, regular diesel. Um, people kind of love it uh, for the for those reasons. And then the other difference between um, the other biofuels on the market is, is that RD is not biodiesel. A lot of times we, we refer to biodiesel as BD. So we have RD and BD. Um, RD is not BD. They're developed from similar feedstocks, but the pr- production process is different. Um, the process for RD is a lot more involved. You need an actual refinery to make it. Um, and so unlike biodiesel, it can be used without blending with petroleum diesel. So with biodiesel, you'll get some gelling, you'll get some issues in cold weather. It has to be blended with petroleum diesel to kind of make it more fungible. Um, RD doesn't have that issue. And so it has a lot more flexibility to fully displace, um, petroleum diesel at any, any blending level. A lot of times you'll see RD and BD blended together as well. Okay, so that that was where I get confused. So when you were talking about the feedstocks, if I blend with soy or I blend with cooking oil, I'm actually blending with that pure feedstock, right? Am I understanding that right, or am I? Can I do that, or also blend it with biodiesel? You can also blend it with biodiesel. Okay, so that's up to the supplier, though, right? Is that how it works? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so you can, depending on where you are, you can blend up to B20 with renewable diesel. At, because of um, federal tax incentives, most of um, the blends will have at least 1% petroleum diesel in the blend. So that's why you'll see something called R99. Right. I was going to ask you about that. R99 is 99% renewable and then you blend the 1% with something else, whether it's a feedstock or whether it's biodiesel, right? Do I have that right? No, you, you blend it with the petroleum diesel. You blend it with the petroleum diesel. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about geography. Like, so what, what are the mandates? Maybe we do the mandates first and then we can talk about the geography. So uh, there are mandates and then there are regulations that are incentives. So the mandates are things like state mandates that you must blend up to 5% biodiesel or renewable diesel into um, the diesel pool. So you'll see that like in, in Minnesota and in Portland where I am, that was the um, previous renewable fuel standard mandate that's changed. There's also a federal mandate that requires the blending of um, uh, levels of renewable fuels into the petroleum fuel mix. And that's not just renewable diesel or biodiesel, that's you know ethanol, renewable natural gas, et cetera. So that's the federal level. And then there are regulations that incentivize lowering the carbon intensity of the transportation fuel pool. So that's when we're starting to talk about um, it, uh, regulations like California's low carbon fuel standard. So petroleum producers and suppliers are required to um, lower the carbon intensity of their fuel either by purchasing credits to lower that um, 
that are cre- the credits are produced by renewable fuels producers. So the petroleum producers have to purchase those credits, or they um, or to offset these deficits that their petroleum fuels create. So, but they have to blend renewable fuels with their petroleum fuels to kind of lower their carbon intensity, or they have to purchase these credits that are generated by the renewable fuels. So this is where you're going to see all, almost all the renewable diesel in the United States comes to California because they have had this low carbon fuel standard um, since 2011 that has developed this um, incentive of lowering the carbon intensity every year for the um, transportation fuel pool. The easiest way that that has been done so far is by reducing the carbon intensity in the diesel pool. Um, that has been the easiest way to do it, using renewable diesel or, in some cases, renewable natural gas for renewable natural gas vehicles, and also biodiesel. So at this point in California, um, RD makes up almost 40% of the diesel pool. That's based on data from the fourth quarter of 2022. We think it's probably going to be higher that there's going to be new data released um, at the end of the week. So yeah, so that, that, those are the regulations. Yeah, and so there's there's low carbon fuel standards adopted in Oregon and Washington and British Columbia and now in Canada as a federal at the federal level. Um, there are states uh, looking at adopting these regulations across the U.S. So we're seeing in New York, New Mexico, Minnesota, Illinois, all kind of legislatures looking at these low carbon fuel programs. So there goes. So those states are going to a more of a moderate regulation, right? It's not as going to be as intense and strict as it is in California. Is that right? They are, um, they, the design of these programs are based, the the concept is based on what California has done. And then they, this, each state can, um, uh, uh, you know, make it so it fits their state. So for instance, like Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota has had like a renewable fuel standard for a long time that's been pretty successful. They've been able to blend a lot of renewable fuels into their fuel pool. But this way, it, the the idea is that it's not necessarily a mandate to for blending. It's more about innovating the carbon intensity reduction. In terms of supply, right? So I come from the supply background, right? So if I'm in California, what, how is how is this? Is it? It can't be shipped in a pipeline, right? Right now, it is not being shipped on a pipeline. the The pipeline um, owners and regulators need to agree on the volume amount. It conceivably it could be. Right now, um, I think they're only allowing up to five percent renewable diesel shipped on pipeline, which is that's a little bit of an issue. So yeah, so effectively, it's being shipped by rail or by tanker or by truck. So there's production in California a a little bit, but it's growing. There will be a lot more. There's two new big refineries that have converted to renewable diesel production in California. What are those refineries? And which ones are they? Yeah. So it's the um, Marathon Martinez refinery in Northern California, and then the Phillips 66 Rodeo refinery. Okay. Okay. And they are producing it. And then so at this point, and Rodeo, correct my, is Rodeo Northern California? It's Northern California, right? Okay. I thought so. So in, in that case, so what they do is they manufacture it and then they get it either by rail or by 
um, truck and trailer, right, to some of the outlying terminals like Stockton and Chico, so forth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there are um, very large renewable diesel producing facilities in the Gulf Coast. Um, so that volume is either barged or railed. There's also growing volumes of production um, kind of in the mid-continent, the Rocky Mountain area. So that those volumes are being railed to the West Coast, actually here in Portland. Um, and then they are either stay in Oregon or they get transloaded to California. Talk a little bit, if you can, about how this stuff is priced, right? So so I let's say that uh, Marathon manufactures it, or P66 manufactures it, they get it to the rack. Now, for those of you who don't understand what a rack is, a rack is a terminal where the fuel is distributed, and it's typically distributed in 8,000-gallon truck and trailer quantities, and then you take it somewhere and you put it into some type of storage facility. So how is this being priced at the rack at this point? Yeah. So it's priced in California. It's priced, well, everywhere. It's priced um, based on the ULSD price. So um, if there's sufficient supply and incentives are high enough, so that happens in California, it's starting to happen in Oregon, the RD should be priced at parity with the diesel, with the petroleum diesel. And then Oregon and California, that's referred to as ULSD ultra low sulfur diesel. Um, and so there isn't really a spot market for renewable diesel now because the demand is greater than the supply. Um, so producers can sell all the, the volumes that they make. But once that supply gets greater than demand, they'll start looking for a spot market. Well, that's an, that was going to be my next question. So, so well, there's no spot market per se right now, right? So there's no, nobody's buying it in bulk because what you're saying is, there's such strong demand for it that everything's being really pre-sold, if you will, or it's all cut sold at the rack. Okay. So what's interesting, so it prices relative to the rack price for ultra-low sulfur diesel, right? But it should, it's not, there's no premium for it, I guess is where I'm getting at. Or is that the correct statement? You know, I've heard stories about there being premiums, especially like last summer in Oregon. So in California, there shouldn't be a premium for it. The, the tax incentives for it are sufficient that it should be at, at parity with um with ulc in oregon i heard stories this is more last summer where um folks were paying 10 cents a gallon over ulc just because it was so hard to get their hands on um and so or is that and, because it's california <laughs> i mean <laughs> california is definitely the 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 universe for this stuff the, and, and is the universe and we're it just is. trying to get our hands on it yeah you and know, so i think everybody follows california yeah and i think you'll start to see that in washington too we don't have any data on the impact of washington's um, clean fuels program yet because it's so new but that's really how you can see the value of those fuels where you can see the value of the low carbon fuel credit and then the value that's added to the renewable fuel there. So so I, I suspect that folks in Washington, if they are getting supply, they're paying a, a premium, but I don't know what that is yet. Okay, that's interesting. So I mean we can do a two hour thing on credits uh, because it's it's mind boggling. And a lot of people ask questions about how the credits work, but we're we're not going to get into that today because we don't have enough time and my brain will explode. Uh, from a retail standpoint, so 
let's say that I'm, you know, I'm trucker and I'm driving across the country and I go to a pilot or I go to a TA or I go to whatever, whatever truck stop chain I, I purchased fuel. Do I see any of this? Do I know any of this? How does it affect me? Yeah. I mean, mostly because it's completely fungible and the retailers are, are working really hard to get it at the, at price parity with diesel you probably won't see a difference that you might see. Well, I think you do have to see a, um, a disclaimer on the pump that says that there's renewable diesel or biodiesel on this blend of, of diesel that you're putting in your truck, but it won't have any effect on your engine. It is the same stuff. So, um, you know, in general, you won't see a difference. You might see that the, the um, stuff that you put in truck is kind of cleaner burning and it has a better impact on um, engines but other than that um there there shouldn't be any difference that's what we mean by like fully drop in like it you don't even really have to think about it so if i'm taking a truck from let's say i'm driving my truck from texas where renewable diesel is not required right at this point okay so i'll say i'm driving from texas to that might be available because there's a lot of producers. And even if it's not required there, they will use it because they're going to get a tax credit. They're going to get a federal tax credit. Yeah, they're going to get a, a federal biomass-based wonders diesel tax credit. That's a ton there. I know. And then they'll also get um, an, a renewable fuel standard tax credit. So it's not, they, uh, and all these tax credits are, you can stack them. So they're getting two federal tax credits if they're just in Texas. If you move west, you get all the way to California, you can stack the two federal tax credits on top of the low carbon fuel standard. Have a cap and trade, right. So what is that in terms of just out of curiosity, like what does that translate into into actual benefit money-wise to the supplier or the producer? Yeah. So the producer... And the value of these tax credits gets shared all the way down the value chain, but um, that can add up to like over $4 to the value of the fuel per gallon. So that's why I guess it's a fair statement to say that we will see more producers becoming involved in renewable diesel and creating renewable diesel. It's going to be a thing required across across the country. I think New York is, you mentioned New York, but I think New York is now requiring it in their in their bids i think the city of new york is oh yeah that's probably true so yeah at the city level you'll see that too so here in portland where i am they've adjusted the renewable fuel standard so that they're phasing out petroleum diesel sales at the retail level by 2030 so there have to be increasing volumes of renewable diesel and biodiesel um they have like annual goals for the the percentage of and to zero by 2030 just out of curiosity, in terms of a spot level, so when we talk about spot, you know, before we were talking about rack, which is 8,000 gallon transactions, when we talk about spot, it's a bulk transaction. Do you have any sense of how that would price? Is it going to price like relative to a futures price or any, any thoughts on that? Yeah. And I had to, I had to get, um, get my, OGs, that's what we call them. The guys have been around for forever to to help me with this question. But yeah, it will probably be priced at NYMEX, you know, something like that. Um, just like CARB and EPA are priced today in California. 
but there also will have to be like an industry agreed upon delivery point so that di differentials can be established and comparisons can be made. I don't know where that delivery point would be. I mean, it makes sense that it would be somewhere in California, but. I was going to say, you would think it would be like LAX or, or Los Angeles, someplace in Los Angeles. Okay. Wow. And what do you think the timeline is on that? You think we'll see a spot market emerge in a year or? No, I mean, it will have to be when, um, when supply is beyond what demand needs in, in, and probably in California. And so, um, you know, I think, I think five years, maybe we'll see. Oh, wow. Okay. So in terms of back to my question, I was asking you before. So if I'm driving my truck from Texas and then they go all the way through and I wind up in California where there's going to be all kinds of different requirements. I have, I, for, for my purposes as somebody driving the truck, I don't even know that it's, it's really there, right? It doesn't, or does it affect, I don't have to go someplace special to get it, I guess. is my No, you shouldn't have to go anywhere special to get it. Most, um, most truck stops, like you'll have seen BP acquired a truck, truck stop, um, uh, brand recently. I mean, that is a, yeah. And that's really about, um, trying to get these renewable fuels into those, you know, acquiring that supply chain and the downstream. That's interesting. That's interesting. So do you think that's, so the, for them, because they they see, wasn't, so is it correct for me to say that, that longer term BP sees bigger production of this and they're going to need an outlet to sell it. And that's why having about something further down the chain in terms of distribution makes sense for them because they can they can move it yeah that's exactly right and so and and for you know it's it's a pretty um the strategy there is is kind of a portfolio strategy right so it's not just um renewable diesel and biodiesel they're also going to establish ev charging stations at those um centers you know they're looking at all the ways that they can decarbonize and capture the value of the, the tax incentives for all you're interesting. You think we'll see that with other like integrated there, yeah. Yeah. And and you'll see it upstream too. So you'll see um companies acquiring um feedstock development companies. So we saw it here in Oregon where Nesty, which is a giant renewable diesel producer, they're really the first movers in this space and they're a finished company, but they have a large um refinery in Singapore where a lot of the renewable diesel that comes to the West Coast is originates i was going to ask you about imports i was going to ask you about that maybe we'll come back and talk about that later but uh, we we have about a minute left i hate to cut you off this is such good information it's such good information it helps really understand this good yeah no this was great i would love to have you come back we could talk a little bit more yeah. about yeah i mean we i'd love to talk about ev stations and some of that other stuff because you guys are all on top of this Okay. So I, I really appreciate it. You are just a treasured friend. Oh, thank um, God. It's always good to see. It's yeah, always you good. too. You too. And then um, we're going to put your contact information up at the end that people who see this, if they have questions, they can reach right to you. But uh, again, my guest, Megan Boutwell, president of Stillwater Associates. And thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm.